Hello, and welcome to episode one of our season three of Geeking Canvas. So just a little disclaimer for everyone. Although we are students at the Cleveland School of Cannabis and we do research our information, we highly recommend looking up your own information. We do our best to report factual information, but that does not mean everything we say is accurate. We do not recommend doing anything illegal, and we do not recommend buying cannabis off of the black market at any age. We recommend waiting until you are legally able to consume cannabis, but remember, it is still federally illegal. Yes. Also, we do not own any rights to the music you may or may not hear in the background. All artists will be tagged in the description. Go check them out, because they're pretty cool. Um... Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you for joining me, Ben. Yes, um, my name is Ben, as Lillian said, uh, Ben McComas, and I recently... Wait, what are we What are we talking about? I just We're introduced We're talking myself. about the Moore Act. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is actually really fascinating. Um, so, the Moore Act is... The it stands for the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. Um, it's basically a piece of legislation that would deschedule cannabis from the Controlled Substance, Substances Act and enact various criminal and social justice reforms related to cannabis. Um, sounds pretty sweet, doesn't it? Yeah, I remember at one point we were going through with Start Yourself Upright, going through this bill and trying to figure out like what doesn't look right and what looks okay and like kind of our imagination of what would be the most ideal way to legalize cannabis and we wanted to talk to a bunch of different legislators and kind of ask about their opinion with cannabis and what they believe the future of legalization will look like. So... Yes, and... um so the Cleveland School of Cannabis, if you remember, actually sent us all of the um, senators' emails. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I personally highly would recommend emailing your representatives, email your senators. If you want things changed, read the laws, read what these bills are that they're voting on, and specifically for cannabis, read through this more act. We're going to go through it and um, kind of kind of discuss it. But for any laws. Um, Get involved. Get active. Let your voices be heard. This is, this is a wonderful time of change. And you know what? Cycling back through what our previous administration did, um, what this administration is going to do, um, we need to be as active as possible. And we really, if we see problems, we need to fix them. And yeah, I think the MORE Act is definitely one of the best uh, pieces of legislation that's been written, it's definitely come the farthest out of, uh, there were four or five other ones that have not passed in previous years. Um, but this definitely seems to be the most progressive. However, um, if you read through it, 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 I have some questions. I have some questions. And, um, so you can find this, it is available on a Google search. Um, or at www.congress.gov slash bill slash 116th 116th-congress slash house hyphen bill 
backslash 3884 backslash taxed because it is... Oh, sorry. I'm trying to pack the, uh, my bong. It's, it's hard being a professional stoner and multitasking. And listen, <laughs> if you're going to be reading through some legislation, you're going to need yourself a good, good indica. Maybe a sativa, but reading through the frickin' bills is gonna make me anxious enough, so. I would, I would recommend a pining-specific terpene because that's gonna help you with your memory retention and also with focusing. Yeah, same with mercine. Um, and, and a lot of, so here in Ohio, um, one of the most dominant uh, terpenes that I've seen in the dispensary is actually mercine. Okay. Um, which is super dope, but also now that we offer PTSD um, as a um, qualifying medical condition, yeah. yeah, as a uh, marijuana as a medical treatment for uh, PTSD, uh, it mercine can also be a very um, triggering triggering yeah a very triggering uh, terpene, and so we 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 as bud tenders um, would want to avoid that. So if anyone works in a dispensary I hope I hope you aren't giving your PTSD patients mercy because I actually heard that it's pining that induces the anxiety in PTSD patients and because it increases their memory so you don't want to give that to them the more act yeah, of HR 3,088 and 4 3,884 sorry I did not read that number right <laughs> is it was passed by the representatives but it hasn't gone through the senate yet and it's the first bill to do that since it's became it's become illegal so that's huge it is and um so it was reported to the house on november yeah november 27th 2020 um it was referred in the senate on december 7th of 2020 um and it's interesting. So if you're on the congress.gov website um, and you just scroll down, it can be a little bit... Um, confusing. Dis- yeah, confusing, disarming, because most people, and I say most because I'm most people as well, and I'm just going to scroll down and read the summary because the government would never lie to us, right? Especially not on their website. Don't they lie to us all the time? Shh. I'm not trying to get shot. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so, it says that this bill decriminalizes marijuana. Yay! We're going to see. Will it? Does it? This, uh, specifically, it removes marijuana from the list of scheduled substances under the Controlled Substances Act and eliminates criminal penalties for an individual who manufactures, distributes, or possesses marijuana. Wow. Doesn't that sound good? The act is to decriminalize and deschedule cannabis and to provide reinvestment in certain purposes for adversely impacted people by the war on drugs, to provide for expungement of certain cannabis offenses and for other purposes. So this is something that I didn't realize beforehand, but after you were researching it, Ben, I was like, that's so weird, I need to look into this more, is that there are two more acts like slightly different but both acts are trying to decriminalize cannabis Wait, one there's two was more acts? wasn't that you that was talking about it it was um, Kamala Harris incorrect. that 
produced the Moore Act, and then there was the House of Representatives that produced their own. Oh, it may have gone through. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not sure. I may have had my information incorrect, but it may have gone through like a redrafting process. Okay. So like, uh, Kamala, she, the lovely vice president, she um, is a co-signer and a sponsor of the act. So if she, if, uh, I don't know how the government works, so I'm not even going to try and guess. I'm not going to try. Kamala Harris, the vice president, can introduce things into the House and the Senate and they will there vote on it. And then the president can either veto whatever it is or let it pass. And the president is kind of like the final wall breaker, but then the Senate and the House mm-hmm. can still veto his veto, right? I believe so, yeah, because, um, yeah, it's a system of checks and balances. I'm not super literate with the government and how it works, but, um, yeah, I believe they can. And that's where the, uh, so, but let's, let's dive deep back into this. So what was the most interesting part of the Moore Act for you? None of it. This is one of the driest freaking things I've ever read in my life. Yes. Yeah, so reading government papers and stuff like that, it's really hard to focus and keep reading. And that's where I think that they're able to put in like different information because when you're reading it, you have to read it about five, six times just to be like, okay, did I understand all the words in that? Did I read everything correctly? And it's just making sure that you're truly understanding what they're saying because, I mean, just by pronouncing a word a different way means a different type of word. Like if you're saying there versus there, is it, is it their property or is it over there? I feel like at, hopefully just using context clues and whatever the previous <laughs> discussion was, you would like know. Like, I would hope. If you don't, then, I mean, maybe cannabis is not for you. <laughs> if you cannot use your brain to use context clues and to find the end of the problem, cannabis may not be for you because it is very complex and there are always problems with it and there's always more to learn. So you have to be on top of your game and constantly... I wouldn't say there's problems with cannabis. I have never experienced a problem with cannabis, except no? that cops have given me speeding tickets. Well, and possession tickets. Um, do not use cannabis in a car or drive with cannabis in a car. It is not recommended. It is illegal. They yeah. don't yet have the right proper testing to... Because when you're drunk, you can be so drunk before you're too drunk and you can still drive. And with cannabis, they don't know how to properly test your system to know like how much is too much when you're driving. So, And it's not legal to either, so just... Don't do it. It's not recommended. So, yeah, yeah. I, I have done quite a few things that are um, not illegal, but frowned upon. So, like, those those tickets, those are, are minor misdemeanors. But, yeah, don't, we, again, we don't recommend doing these things. Learn from our mistakes. Don't follow what we did. Well, what I did. I don't know. Lily, you seem pretty... Pretty chill. Yeah, I don't do that kind of stuff. The breaking smart. the law freaks me out. Right. Yeah, no, it freaks me out now, too. It's, um, yeah. But it shows that there are flaws in our justice system if, if you um, have been wronged by it. Mm-hmm. So. But the MORE Act, so. The MORE Act is trying that, to fix that, yeah? Well, it's supposed to fix the misdoings of the people they've wrongfully arrested. I mean, if you think about it, so many people have, have been affected 
by cannabis becoming illegal in general. Like, the same right of consumption between white and black and other minority groups, like, it's the same, but Mm. white people are fine and everybody else is arrested more. And so this MORE Act is supposed to help those people who have been wrongfully convicted. Yeah, and even, so in Section 2 under the findings, it says Congress finds as follows. One, the communities that have been most harmed by cannabis prohibition are benefiting the least from legal marijuana marketplace. Okay, this is what Congress says they are admitting how they have hurt its citizens. Let's see if it actually goes in to fix it. So, Section 2, Subsection 2, a legacy of racial and ethnic injustices compounded by the disproportionate collateral consequences of 80 years of cannabis prohibition enforcement now limits participation in the industry. So what does that mean? Basically, that means that um, because people have been wrongly arrested and imprisoned, um, they're now no longer able to um, work work in this industry, which is so unfortunate. Snoopy has a squeaker toy. He squeaks in agreement. Yes. The squeak heard around the world. <laughs> um, so, number three, 36 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and Guam have adopted laws allowing legal access to cannabis. And 15 states, that needs to be updated because I believe it's 34 states right now um, that have legalized The District of Columbia and the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands have adopted laws legalizing cannabis for adult recreational use. Um, A total of 47 states have reformed their laws pertaining to cannabis despite the Schedule I status of marijuana and its federal criminalization. And that's because cannabis should not be a Schedule I drug. No, it should not. All of the three reasons why it's made that is because it's harmful, it's addictive, and it will kill you. Or not as harmful, but it doesn't have medical benefits. Would you agree with any of those statements, Ben? Well, let's let's see what is a Schedule One drug. Yes, um, a drug or a substance that has, like you said, a high chance of being abused and has no FDA approved medical use in the United States. So and it can kill you. And can kill you. Schedule, yeah, yeah. Schedule One drugs. Uh, include heroin, ecstasy, and LSD. Let's see, marijuana. Has killed you if it's laced with fentanyl. Right. Or other things. But that's the fentanyl killing you. That's not the marijuana. No, it's not. But that was a real cute little trick that the government tried, just lacing our weed. No, I don't agree with any of that, because now we've seen that there is direct medical benefits Mm -hmm. for... um, for all ages, holy, holy cannabis. Um, Charlotte Fiji, the four-year-old who was suffering from uh, Ligastout syndrome, the, having almost up to 400 seizures a day. Which is a lot. Right. Like, you she, can barely eat. Yeah, she couldn't, yeah, could barely eat, could barely move. Uh, it's a very tragic story. She actually, unfortunately, may she rest in pieces. Um, passed away due to COVID. Yeah. May she rest in peace, not pieces. I can't say that about a child, can I? Well, I did. I'm not taking it back. Rest in pieces. May your soul be split like Voldemort, and may you be immortal. In a good way? In a good way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the best way, because uh, now we have a strain due to her of CBD called Charlotte's Web, and... 
that helps millions of children. Millions of children around the world. Uh, we also, so that's not FDA approved though, but we do have now an FDA approved medicine on the market called Epidiolex. And it is a synthetic THC um, medicine given to cancer patients. So we have an FDA approved medicine produced by pharmaceutical companies, which one I would invest in this particular pharmaceutical company. Maybe. I don't know. There's two factions in weed, one for the money and one for the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like big pharma right now, their synthetic THC, does it work? Of course it's going to work. It's synthetic. It's designed to work. I'm sure it does. But I just prefer the natural stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But so now we have an FDA-approved drug that's here. So already, um, it, it, it disqualifies it as at least Schedule 1. Yeah. I'm not going to go through the rest of the schedules and look, but it shouldn't be scheduled at all, I, I would say. And not to mention that Schedule 2 has cocaine. Schedule Co- 2 has cocaine. Well, cocaine's kind of scary. But cocaine is better than cannabis, is what they're saying. By having cannabis as Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 drug with co- cocaine, they can do research on it. You know, I mean, good for them. That's what they want to teach their kids, that cocaine is better than cannabis. I don't think anybody teaches their kid that. Uh, but the government endorses it. Everybody teaches their kid. Just kidding. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, that's the government. It shouldn't be scheduled because... Of the, we're gonna get into this season into the medical benefits and how to, um, how to use this in preventative medicine. I have a certificate in preventative med, uh, well, in herbal medicine, which is preventative, uh, from the University of Minnesota, um, and I've been studying uh, Ayurveda and holistic medicine for the past three and a half years. Um, I still don't know that much. There's so much to it, but. At least, at least we can talk about the basics and mm-hmm. cannabis and whatnot. Did you know that enforcing cannabis prohibition laws cost taxpayers approximately $3.6 billion a year? What? Yep. You're kidding. No, and there are about 600,000 arrests annually, disproportionately impacting people of color who are almost four times more likely to be arrested for cannabis possession. And this is coming from the American Civil Liberties Union. This is not just... We are not just pulling these statistics out of our butt. This This is what Congress has found. So our government admits to what they have done. That's what this is. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, it says that black men receiving drug sentences that are 13.1% longer than sentences imposed for white men and Latinos being nearly 6.5 times more likely to receive a federal sentence for cannabis possession than non-Hispanic whites. So... That's fucked up. It's also messed up that there are fewer than one-fifth of cannabis businesses owners who identify as minorities and only approximately 4% are black. That's not fair. No, it's not. Especially because they have been so discriminated against and mm-hmm. so hurt by this cannabis prohibition. Quite frankly, I think we should stop doing cocaine and stop the crack and the meth and the fentanyl and the heroin. That's what's killing our kids. There, there have been um, a few scholarly journals conducted about cannabis and addiction. And honestly, I think um, we need to, again, open up the research there is, there is a lot to research. There's a lot to learn. And when you think about it, like, 
if you don't have any money, then you are already at an offset of getting into this industry because it is 500000 just to apply for a license for a yes. dispensary. That's a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, if yes. you are from a less fortunate area or you don't happen to have a lot of money, I mean, like, it's not fair to go out there and say, well, this person is already off to a good start. They have money. They have the support to do it. But I don't, and I'm not able to start. And so this is saying, like, areas like Cleveland where they're very poor and there's not a lot of opportunity to improve. I mean, you'd be able to speak more on this, Ben, but where they literally are not even given a chance. Like, this is for them to be able to go through and help them on their dispensary journey. It really is. And it's a chance to um, give back to these communities. We need to support them. We need to help them. We need to... Um, I think I think the more act is going is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the opportunity reinvestment fund um, is a beautiful idea. Um, it's basically a trust fund set aside for five uh, percent tax of all cannabis sales um, go into this trust fund and are distributed back into the communities. Now, the way that it's distributed, I have an issue with. However, we, were, we aren't there yet. We'll, we'll talk. We'll chat about it because it's, it's quite... The government does what the government does best. Lies and comes quickly. So Section 3 is decriminalization of cannabis, and it says that cannabis removed from schedule of controlled substances. And inside of this... It says on lines 9 to 12, marijuana and tetrahydrocannabinoids, cannabinols, my pardon, shall each be deemed to be a drug or other substance that does not meet the requirements for inclusion in any schedule, which is what we were just talking about. A rulemaking under this paragraph shall be considered to have taken effect as of the date of enactment of this act. For purposes of any offense committed, case pending, conviction entered, and in the case of a juvenile, any offense committed, case pending, and adjudication of juvenile delinquency entered before, on, or after the date of the enactment of this act. Um, So basically it's going to uh, swing in favor of the defendant. Um, They should be released, and I believe the case will be closed, but... Again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a stoner. Um, a rulemaking under this paragraph shall be considered. Oh, uh, so any any yeah any crimes that are committed with marijuana, um, this law is essentially going to help uh, those out because like already in Ohio it's decriminalized and um, well we have dispensaries so yeah. And what was it with the money? It was going to the journey at a general attorney? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, okay, yeah. Okay, let's just jump right into it. So a lot of the first couple sections, um, the, the attorney general. So conforming amendments to the Controlled Substances Act and Section B of, or Section 3, subsection B, just goes through. It's a lot of grammar, redesignation of clauses, um, inserting semicolons, striking subparagraphs. It's very boring stuff. Um, then it goes through the National Forest System Drug Control Act, disqualifications, da 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 
FAA provisions, FRA provisions. Basically, it's going through and fixing every single piece of literature that touches uh, marijuana or has to deal with marijuana. And quite frankly, it's a lot. There's, there is a crap ton of things. Supplemental Appropriations Act. Um, basically, this says that federal employees, anyone who works for the government, is subject to drug tests, and you may be denied a job. So if you're in the government... Don't use cannabis. Right. Or, it's illegal. Or help us change the laws so that you can use cannabis. They would know how. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's surprising to me that it's legalized in the District of Columbia. Right. and and the But you know what? Also, think about it. Do you really want the President of the United States stoned? Even though I'm sure that the last one was doing bunches and bunches of cocaine and amphetamines. I don't think I would want the president to be high while he's doing his job. If he is trying to relax after a long, stressful day, Mm -hmm. I think he should have the option to use cannabis if he would like to. Yeah, of course. And why shouldn't he? But, again, while he's not working. But I feel like the, the president just being high is... That that could be potentially bad. Like, what if he's just stoned, goofing around with, like, oh, I'm going to go, like, hang out with the um, king of New Guinea. Is, and is that a real place? I think so. New Guinea? Yeah. That's a real place. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It, Papua New Guinea. Wait, oh, gosh. I don't know. He's going to go hang out with some, like... D- person of great influence can go hang out with Rothschild or something because you know presidents just hang out with Rothschilds I guess I don't know who is Rothschild never mind we're this is getting into conspiracies and we are here just reading about the documents of the Moore Act um so in section four of the Moore Act it goes into section four is the demographic data of cannabis business owners and employees um they're just going to take data and see who works um, for the cannabis industry, um, how many people are coming into the cannabis industry. All these statistics are used to um, create policies and regulations. Um, the term cannabis, meaning either marijuana or cannabis, is defined under the state law authorizing the sale or use of cannabis and with the in which the individual or entity is located. Um, so Section 5 of the Moore Act is actually one of the more interesting sections because this is where it really jumps into social equity. And um, Section 5, Subsection A, Establishment of Trust Fund. Subchapter A of Chapter 98 of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986 is amended by adding at the end of the following the new section, Section 9512, Opportunity Trust Fund. What does this entail? There is established in the Treasury of the United States a trust fund to be known as the Opportunity Trust Fund, referred to in this section as the Trust Fund, consisting of such amounts as they may be appropriated or credited to to such fund as provided in this section or Section 9602, subsection B. Subsection B, transfers to the trust fund, um, there, it just goes through the law that says they're allowed to transfer money um, into it as received from the Treasury the expenditures, um, the expenditures is the most interesting part. How? So, 
Subsection B. There are hereby appropriated to the trust fund amounts equivalent to the net revenues received in the Treasury from the taxes imposed under Chapter 56. Chapter 56 basically says that it's going to put a 5% marijuana tax, and then that 5% is going to go straight into this Opportunity Trust Fund to be poured back into the community. Sounds pretty good, right? So it's interesting. Subsection C says how it's going to be spent. 50% to the Attorney General to carry out Section 3052A of Part Double O of the Omnibus Crime Control and Safe Streets Act of 1968. So do you think that this MORE Act is really going to do what it's saying? Or do you have anything that's, like, worrisome to you? I'm definitely worried about this Crime Control Act, the Omnibus Crime Control Act of 1968. So this was an act to assist state and local governments to help reduce the incidences of crime, to increase the effectiveness, fairness, and coordination of law enforcement and criminal justice systems at all levels of government and for other purposes. Basically what that means is strengthening the police force, giving them, uh, basically helping them to enforce laws however they see fit. Now in the uh, Crime Control Act, it goes through quite a bit of detail that I'm going to actually skip here. Um, but generally, it gives the police and the states to enforce laws however they see fit, um, and actually is one of the main funding sources from uh, for police and what helps to... Um, Do wiretaps? Yeah. It authorizes grants to states and units of local governments to, quote-unquote, improve and strengthen the law enforcement. So, I know in Cleveland, for a fact, we have a tank. I've seen it. It's a, a um, it says it's hostage rescue. That motherfucker, I'm sorry, I can't say that. That thing is huge, huge, and it's ridiculous, and it's to knock down a door to, I mean, listen, if I was a hostage, I would be very glad that we had it, but where did they get the money for that? Who approved this? Like, so imagine... A, this And that's allowed through the Omnibus Crime Control Act. What else is this funding? Furthermore, why is the Attorney General controlling 50% of this? Right off the rip, 50% goes to the Attorney General to enforce the Omnibus Crime Control Act of 1968. Why? He... They, because there have been several attorney generals, are the ones who are literally continuing the war on drugs, who are continuing to keep the impoverished in poverty. It's mind-boggling, and it's very confusing. And you know what? If you do know more about this subject, please feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram, at ben.jie. That boy and educate me because this is confusing. Why does the attorney general get to play with that much money to help enforce an act that hurts the community further? And that's what we're trying to do is just raise awareness about this. Is we've looked into it quite a bit, but we're not lawyers, and so we don't understand everything that is inside of this act. But when we're reading this and we see these different things that are kind of like 
okay, this doesn't really make sense and the alarm bells go off, then it's like, what do we do from here? We let the community know that you need to make sure that you're reading the legislation and being a part of what's happening happening in your government in order to be a part of the future because they're making decisions yes. every single day and they every will make day. them with or without you. But right. you can have a say. We can. And if you don't understand something, find someone who does. Call your senators. Ask, Talk to their secretaries. Their secretaries are willing to talk to you. For hours, you know, I probably should follow my own advice and call them. Be like, hey, what's this Crime Control Act about? <gasps> we should do that. On- We're going to do that on a later episode. We will keep you updated on what we learn more with the MORE Act. But thank you for tuning in on this episode. Bye.